welcome to another episode of Sip and Science. I'm Sumit Kulkarni and uh, first of all, I hope everyone listening to this and everyone around you is safe and coping well as best as you can in these uncertain times. And as stressful as this change may seem, it's important to pause and take a look at the constants we have in life. The other day, I just took a walk outside late in the evening to stretch my legs and it was a very clear night. And I looked up and just marveled at the different stars and constellations that I could see. I could see the moon, I could see Venus shining bright. And it all felt almost therapeutic to just stand there and stare at the sky for a while. And this is something I think all of us need to do to take our minds off everything that's happening around us. So the next time you get a nice clear sky, we have a very special guest with us to give you a tour of it. Uh, she's Dr. Maria Weber, who is an astronomer at the Delta State University. Maria was scheduled to give a talk at the Oxford Science Cafe last month in March. But of course, it was cancelled due to COVID-19. But that's not stopping her from joining us and sharing some exciting stay-at-home astronomy. So let's hear from her. Weber, welcome to Sip and Science. We are so pleased to have you as our first guest. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for inviting me to be on the show. Um, I'm really excited. It's our pleasure. So in addition to being an assistant professor at the Delta State University, you are also the director of the Wiley Planetarium. So tell us more about it. The Wiley Planetarium is a really awesome resource that we have here at Delta State. So Delta State University is right in the middle of the Mississippi Delta, and we have this awesome STEM resource with our planetarium. And uh, the, uh, the state of Mississippi only has three planetariums in the entire state, and one of those planetariums is at Delta State University. And we're also the only university in Mississippi that has its own planetarium. I'm really excited to be directing it. We use it for my astronomy classes, which I teach, and we also use it um, to welcome members of our community in for public shows when we are not quarantined. And uh, I also welcome school groups through. And I've had everything from kindergartners and preschoolers come into my planetarium for the show, all the way up to, um, to members of senior citizen homes. And so it's been a really cool opportunity to get to know the surrounding region of the Mississippi Delta and uh, to share STEM with uh, everybody in our area. That's cool. Um, as I said, the planetarium must be shut down now, sadly. But if there's one thing a pandemic cannot shut down is the real thing, right? The night sky. So I would really like to walk around all the cool things that we can see in the sky around this time of the year. And a great place to begin would be the most recognizable thing in the sky, which is the moon. So a couple of nights before we recorded this, we had this phenomena called the pink supermoon. So what is it and uh, when will we see it again? <laughs> so uh, a supermoon happens when the moon happens to be just a little bit bigger in our sky than usual. And supermoons are the result of the fact that our moon does not orbit around our Earth in a perfect circle. Instead, it orbits in an ellipse, which is a stretched out circle, kind of like imagine an oval. 
And during a supermoon, the moon is just a little bit closer to the Earth than it is on average. And we just so happened to have one of those events correspond with the full moon that we just had here in April. And the reason why it's called a pink moon uh, is because a lot of times throughout history, Native peoples have given... Um, names to objects in the sky that correspond with cues coming from nature. And so the April moon is often called the pink moon because it corresponds with the time when there's a lot of flowers blooming. And in particular, there's one flower called the phlox. And it's a, it's a native um, wildflower in the United States. And it's a pinkish color. And it tends to bloom around April time. And that's where the pink name comes from. Um, sometimes I've also heard it called the egg moon. Um, now's a good time when animals are laying their eggs. Uh, it's also welcoming the beginning of springtime. Um, and so the next full moon that we have, will also, uh, which will, will be in May, will also be fairly large, but it won't be as large as the one that we just had in April. And so a couple of times a year, sometimes twice a year, uh, you could have a super moon, but we have at least one every year. That's great. So in case you missed or it was cloudy where you were, you can look forward to seeing the full moon again in May. Uh, so you typically do not need any equipment to do stargazing, right? So what you need is just clear skies and your eyes. What are some of the most prominent things that you can see uh, around this time? Well, um, we can always, of course, view the moon with our naked eye. Uh, full moons are great times to do that. And so since we just had the full moon a couple nights ago, we can expect to see another full moon in about a month from then. Um, another really neat thing at the end of April that's happening on April 27th is that on that day, Venus is going to be shining the brightest of any other day or night during the course of this year. Uh, so one great way to see it, uh, I, I like to look for Venus in the evening, um, just a little bit after sunset. So if you look due west, uh, Venus is going to be the brightest thing that you're going to see there. You're not going to miss it. Um, so Venus on that night will be many times brighter than even the brightest star that's up on that night. And that brightest star is called Sirius. Um, and the interesting thing about um, Venus is that Venus goes through phases, just like the moon goes through phases. And so we see Venus go through phases because Venus is between us and the sun. And actually on the night when Venus appears the brightest to Earth, it's not fully lit up by the sun. It's only 28% lit up by the sun. So you've got to have Venus in just the right location between the sun and the Earth in order to get it at its brightest. Because the, 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 when we would see Venus as fully lit up, kind of like the full moon, Venus is actually on the opposite side of the sun um, from the Earth. And so it's much, much further away. So at this night, the um, Venus is on our side of the sun, uh, closer to Earth, and it's about um, a quarter lit up for us. So um, that's a really cool thing, and it only happens because of these certain sets of circumstances. Another really neat thing that we can observe are the other planets, some of the other planets in our uh, solar system, and in particular, um, between the dates of April um, 15th to 14th, 15th, and 16th of this month, if you look off to the east, about an hour before sunrise, 
you will see Mars, Saturn, Jupiter, and the moon all together clustered in a close space in the sky. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a really cool thing. And the moon will be kind of like, um, it'll be like a crescent moon. Um, mm-hmm. So a little bit, a little bit um, less bright, and then you'll really be able to see the other, the other planets. And we can see a couple of different constellations too. In particular, if you look at midnight, if you're up that late, <laughs> and, um, you look directly south and you look just a little bit above the horizon, uh, the constellation Virgo will be right there above south. Um, and also just around 9 p.m., if you look off to the west uh, throughout the, the remainder of April, you're going to see Orion and Canis Major, which is Orion's hunting dog, kind of setting off towards the west. So Orion was a wintertime constellation for us during the winter, and now Orion is um, moving off of our field of view at nighttime as we move towards spring. Uh, so those are a few things, you know, for the longest time in our human history, all astronomy happened with our naked eye. It's only recently that we've developed um, tools to help us observe the sky. And um, those are just a few of the cool things we can see. Yeah, Orion especially is my personal favorite. And yes. around this time, you can, since it's closer to the horizon, you can see it just so much bigger than usual. And it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about a few things within Orion that are really cool? Yeah, so one of the really interesting things, at least for me, is the star Betelgeuse. And Betelgeuse's uh, star in um, Orion's, let's see, if we look at Orion, it's Orion's, like, from our perspective, it's his upper left shoulder. Um, and that star is going to, um, has over the course of the kind of the winter time been diminishing in its brightness. It was once one of the top 10 brightest stars in our sky. And for a while, it had decreased to be less than one of the 20 brightest stars in our sky. But now it's ramping back up its bright again. Um, what could be happening? There are so many different things that could be going on. <laughs> right. uh, with, with, with Betelgeuse, it is nearing its end of its lifetime. It might be close for the time where Betelgeuse will explode and create a supernova, um, but it could be um, clouds of gas and dust crossing in front of Betelgeuse. It could be giant um, convective cells because stars are made up of hot gas so it could be the sort of hot gas bubbling up to the surface of Betelgeuse Uh, we still are are not quite sure yeah I have my fingers crossed on that supernova but I don't know it's probably not going to happen but if it does (laughs) it's going to be a spectacle yeah maybe not in our lifetime but if it does happen (laughs) it will it will be one of the brightest things in our sky for a couple of days at least Um, so that would be a neat thing if it happened in our lifetime so the sky also has some great celestial events that spring up from time to time. Uh, are there any good ones coming up in our calendar? Yes, uh, there is a meteor shower in April. It occurs every April. Um, and this meteor shower is called the Lyrids meteor shower. And between the dates of April 16th to April 25th is when you can see this meteor shower the best. But the peak night for viewing it is going to be around April 21st. And so this year, during the Lyrid meteor shower, uh, we can expect to see, if you are in a really dark place, about 15 meteors per hour if you're looking in the right spot. 
Um, and this meteor shower also corresponds with a new moon. So the moon will um, not be brightly lit lighting up our sky, and so it'll be easier for us to see those meteors coming through. Um, and to find it, you need to go look for the constellation Lyra. So that's why it's called the Lyra's meteor shower. Mm -hmm. It appears to, most of those meteors appear to emanate out of a region near the, the, the Lyra constellation. Um, and so if you look east and then look very high in the sky just a few hours before dawn, um, mm -hmm. that's going to be the place where you can find Lyra and the place where you can find those meteors kind of coming out of. Um, yeah, so look, looking due east just before dawn, and um, you look up until you spot one of the brightest stars in that direction. That bright star is called Vega, and very near Vega is where you'll see those meteors are coming from, appear to be coming from. That's wonderful. So set your alarms to very early that night, everyone. <laughs> I'll be yeah, setting mine. three or four in the morning is a good time to look. <laughs> It'll be worth it. <laughs> so as I said, uh, you don't really need equipment to look at the stars and look at the sky. But if someone does have like a pair of binoculars or like a small backyard telescope, what are some great things that uh, you can look through those? Well, the best prime thing to look at is the moon. And binoculars are really, really great for looking at the moon. And I love to look at the moon with my binoculars, not when the moon is at full moon, actually. When the moon is at a partial phase, um, especially like a first quarter or third quarter moon where only half of the moon is lit up and the other half is dark. And if you look along the edge of that bright and dark region, which we call that edge the terminator, if you look right there, because of that shadow, you get shadows that are being cast onto craters on the moon's surface. And then you're actually able to pick out with greater definition some of the craters that are on the surface of the moon, which are actually a little bit harder to see during a full moon. But if you've got that terminator casting shadows across it, those craters are easier to see. And so binoculars are really great things to use on the moon. Um, and so if you have binoculars too, you can also look through, uh, look at um, planets with them. Um, depends on how highly powered your uh, binocular is. But you have to have a really steady hand or a tripod for that binocular if you want to do that. So you could look at Saturn with its beautiful rings or Venus or Mars in particular um, with the, the um, binoculars. And with a backyard telescope, uh, again, prime examples would be the moon and Saturn will be really beautiful. Now we can really see its rings kind of from the edge. That's fabulous. Um, are there any resources uh, like online websites or sky charts or smartphone apps that uh, you might recommend for anyone who wants to start out? Absolutely. Um, with my astronomy students, I recommend that they get an app called Starwalk. Two, <laughs> there's a Starwalk one, Starwalk two. I think it maybe there's some fee with it. It's it's only a couple of dollars if there is a fee, and um, what's really cool about it is it's like augmented reality. So the uh, Starwalk app uh, knows your location and it knows which direction you're facing, and so you hold it up into the sky and it will show you what constellations are in front of you. And you can click on those constellations, you can click on the stars or planets, and it will zoom in and tell you more about them. And that's, that's super cool. I love it. And it's great yeah. for getting my students outside and they're not familiar with the things in the sky like I am. Um, 
in the planetarium, I can show them, but here they can find it themselves. Um, and so that's a really cool resource. And it also has a, a feature where it will actually alert you when there's cool things coming up. So it's telling me uh, when the full moon is coming and when um, the meteor shower is coming. Um, and another website that I love is called stellarium-web.org, Stellarium, and it creates a planetarium for you within your web browser. And you can look at the sky at any time, on any date, uh, and you can look at the sky on your birthday, you can look at the sky 100 years from now, and it will show you, and you can even see the constellations, and you can zoom in on a bunch of really cool things. And I also recommend my students use it. and. Since I'm at home without my planetarium, I use that as my planetarium. That's awesome. I think that's a really cool way to spend time, even during the day, if you can't get enough of the sky. That was Dr. Maria Weber reminding us to admire the night sky from our backyards and balconies. Just go outside, look up at the cosmos, which is the ultimate big picture. And remember that in the grand scheme of things, this is but a fleeting moment. Look out for the links for resources that Maria mentioned down in the description below. And don't forget to share and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.